Well, good morning, Warehouse Church. It is so good to finally be here. Happy New Year. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you look at the people around you, say Happy New Year, let them know you're glad to see them. Just say good morning. Man, I am so excited about our time together this morning. Let me just tell you why. I'm so excited because I believe that there is no better way to begin a new year than to worship like we just did. So can we give our worship team a big hand for leading us in that? Just as the song said, there's no other place I'd rather be than in your presence. And so we're going to worship like we've never worshiped before this year. Uh, we're having a great time. And uh, if you're a guest with us this morning, we want to say welcome to Warehouse Church. I want you to know that you're in good company. If it's your first Sunday, it's my first Sunday too. And so, uh, so welcome. We're so glad that you're here. My name's Rick, and I get the joy and the privilege of being the pastor here. And me and my family, um, we have been looking forward to this moment for for months, and so we're so excited to be here. We have um, Emma is with us, and Jackson, and Jen, and I don't think Emma was with us the last time. You weren't with us the last time that we were here, and so we're all here except for our two older boys, and uh, so we're so grateful to be here with you this morning. And uh, and we're going to have, I want you to know this, that we're going to have so much fun together. Oh, before I do that, though, I wanted to take a selfie of my new church family. Can I do that? Can we take a selfie? So, um, so if I can get my phone to do that, there we go. So we're going to take a quick selfie, so everybody smile. Let's see if I can get y'all. Oh, I can't get everybody. But we're going to do it. So everybody say, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. All right, good deal. So I just had to get that out of the way. But um, so we're going to have so much fun together. And we're going to have fun together seeing transformation take place in our lives. We're going to have fun seeing transformation take place in the lives of people we care about. And we're going to have so much fun uh, seeing transformation take place in the lives of people that we don't even know yet. People that we haven't even met. And so, so let's kick off this new relationship that we're getting to know each other, and we're going to do it with a brand new sermon series called Unleashed. Everybody say Unleashed. Unleashed. So here's the deal. I like people to talk back to me, so don't, feel, don't be shy. Talk back to me. Um, but uh, we're going to begin this new series called Unleashed. And as we begin 2022, here's the deal. You and I, we have a choice. We can either continue living a life of playing it safe or we can unleash a life of radical faith. And so at the beginning of every year, we all do it, or most of us do it, we often make like a list of things that we are going to do differently or things that we're going to do new in the new year. We call them New Year's resolutions. And we say things like we're going to exercise more, uh, or we're going to start eating healthy, or we're going to read more, or we're going to spend more time with family. And we make this list of things that we're going to do differently in the new year, clean slate, starting over, do all these new things. And we start off really strong, don't we? But then by about January 13th, we're already back to our old ways, right? Like it doesn't last. And, and this isn't just the case with exercising. It's not just the case with dieting. It's not just the case with a relationship. It's also true with our faith and our spiritual journey as well. We say things like we're going to start, uh, we're going to spend more time reading the Bible. Or we say we're going to get up early. We're going to get up an hour early and we're going to spend time in prayer. Or we're going we're gonna to go to church more. We're going to give more to the church. Or, or maybe we've never given to the church. And you're like, we're going to start tithing this year. And, and, and we make all these promises. And we do really well for a few days. But before you know it, we're right back into our old habits. And so over the next four weeks, we are going to discover how to position ourselves in such a way that we unleash this radical kind of faith 
and that we become better followers of Jesus in the new year. Now, here's what I'm learning. I don't know about you. Here's what I'm learning. I'm learning that so often, here's what we do. We make plans, right? And, and it happens in New Year's. We make plans. We say, God, this is what we're going to do in the new year. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. As churches, we make plans. We say, God, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And then we ask God to bless it, don't we? We make the plans and we say, okay, God, here's our plans. Now you bless it. And I just want you to know that's like backwards, okay? Like instead of making plans and then asking God to bless them, what we really should be doing is we really should be saying, Holy Spirit, what is it that you want to do through me in the coming year? As a church, we should be praying and saying, God, what is it that you want Warehouse Church to accomplish in the coming year? Where is it that you're leading us? God, wherever you're going, that's where we want to be and we want to follow. And so we should be, we should, instead of asking God to bless our plans, we should ask God what his plan is for our lives. And so we're going to look over the next four weeks, we're going to look at four important steps to living the unleashed life. And we're going to talk about things like pursuing Jesus, uh, desiring transformation in our own lives. We're going to talk about making disciples because Jesus didn't just say become a disciple, but he told us to go and make disciples. And we're going to talk about prioritizing community and what that looks like. And so the first step today that to, to unleashing a life of faith is this, living a life that pursues Jesus. Everybody say pursue. pursue. So you see, one of the most important steps to living this unleashed life or living the unleashed life is intentionally pursuing Jesus. And so every day, think about this, every day we have a fresh opportunity to pursue a closer relationship with Jesus. And I want you to know this, that it's not enough to just come on Sunday morning and think that that's going to help us or tide us over till next Sunday. Like it's not enough for us to worship together on Sunday morning and think that that's going to fill us up to what we need to live the rest of the week. But that you and I, we need to pursue a life with Jesus every single day. And I want you to, I want you to, I want to challenge you that we can't keep settling for these occasional encounters with Jesus. Like I saw some of you as we were singing that last song, as Lindsay was leading us, you all were experiencing, you were having an encounter with Jesus. But you know what? We don't have to just wait for Sundays to do that. We can encounter Jesus every day. And so we need to pursue a life with Jesus so that we, so that, so that we have this life that, that is satisfying. That we, that we must keep pursuing Jesus until our whole life is saturated with his presence. So let's look today. Let's look at a few reasons why we need to go hard after Jesus this year. What are the things that we can do so that we can go hard after Jesus, so we can pursue him like we've never pursued him before? And so if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to look up with me at Philippians chapter 3. And uh, so your phone, if you get it on the phone app or it'll be on the screen, uh, I encourage you, bring your Bibles and, uh, and let's read them together. But as you're looking for it, it's in the New Testament, it's towards the middle of the New Testament, Philippians. Um, let me just uh, set the scene for you. The Apostle Paul uh, is the one who's writing this and he's writing to a church that he had previously started. So just like Warehouse Church started about eight years ago and y'all planted it, uh, Paul planted so many churches in Asia. And this is one of those churches, and he loved the churches that he planted, and he would often write letters to them. That's how we got most of the New Testament. And so he's writing to this church that he started in Philippi. 
And he's sharing with the church that he is in prison for preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. Like he was put in chains for the simple fact that he was preaching the good news of Jesus. And so let's see what he has to say in verse, beginning in verse 7. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through Christ Jesus, the righteousness that comes from, the God, from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now, in this passage, Paul is writing some really important things for us today. And we find in here these reasons that you and I should go hard after Jesus in 2022. And the first one is this, that we should go hard after Jesus in order to know him. That Paul went, pursued Jesus like never before, ditching all things that people normally pursue for one reason, so that he might know Jesus. Look at verses seven and eight with me again. It says, but whatever were gains, whatever I thought was worthy of my pursuit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss. Why? Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. You see, church, Paul discovered something really important. He discovered that there was nothing more important, that there was nothing more valuable in his life than knowing Christ Jesus. Nothing else mattered compared to a relationship with Jesus. And so if Paul were standing up here today, and if he were talking to us, he might say something like, you know what, being the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, owning a home, having a bunch of money in the bank, being married with children, owning a new car, having a college degree, and on and on and all, all of that pales in comparison to knowing Jesus. And here's the deal. If we are going to unleash a life of faith in 2022... You and I, we must pursue Jesus above everything else. And guess what? The reward is joy in our lives. And so Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. What Jesus was saying is, hey, church, if you will seek me, if you will put me first, if you will pursue me and my righteousness, everything else will fall into place. Everything else will be added to you. 
You won't need anything if you will put me first. So let me ask you this morning, as we begin this new year, what does your pursuit of Jesus look like today? What does it look like for you? How relentless are you in pursuing Jesus? So if we're going to get to know Jesus, we must pursue Jesus. And secondly, we pursue Jesus because he is our greatest treasure. Jesus is our greatest treasure. Not only did Paul consider everything else a loss compared to knowing Jesus, but he considered Jesus to be his greatest treasure, best gift ever. You see, Paul was a Jew. He was a Pharisee. He depended on the law for salvation. You see, Paul was one of the top Pharisees. He knew every law that they had created, and they made up a law for everything. There was over 600 laws that the Jewish Pharisees, that they would demand that everyone followed. And Paul knew them all, and he counted on them for his salvation. He depended on following the law. And if he broke the law, he would immediately repent from the law. If he said, oh, Rule number 526 says that I can't walk past a cricket. And he walked past a cricket, he would stop. And he would repent because he depended on the law for salvation. However, after Paul met Jesus, he understood that it is impossible for us to achieve salvation on our own merits. He knew that you couldn't earn salvation. He knew that it was only possible to receive salvation through faith in Jesus Christ by faith alone through, through grace. In other words, Paul knew this. He knew that there is no amount of good deeds or works that you can do to be rescued from, by Jesus. And I want you to hear that, church. Because let me tell you, there's a lot of Christians out there saying, man, I got to do one good deed after another if I'm going to keep um, keeping God's grace. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus never said that. The only way for us to receive salvation is by saying yes to Jesus, by believing in faith that he died for our sins, that he conquered death and the grave so that we might have eternal life. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, Salvation is the best gift ever. It's the greatest gift that I ever received. It's my most treasured treasure in my life. I mean, I remember, I don't know about you, but I remember the day that I experienced salvation. I remember the day that Jesus rescued me from my sin. It was June 4th of 1989. I was sitting in my high, uh, in, in my high school graduation waiting for my name to be called. But little did I know that God was going to call my name that day. It was at the University of South Florida Sundome, which means absolutely nothing to you. But it's okay. But it's a, it's a big coliseum on the University of South Florida's campus. And that's where my high school graduated, me and 659 of my, of my closest friends. And, uh, and, and as I was waiting there, uh, I was reflecting on the past year. And it had been a rough year. Um, just the day before I started my senior year of high school, my granny uh, had passed away. And me and my granny, we were close. And, uh, and that kind of rocked my world when I lost her. I mean, we, we were just, we were buds. We, we hung out together. I loved being around my grandma. And, and then two weeks after that, my dad was shot and killed. 
And, and it was tragic, and I didn't see it coming. And I got to be honest with you, those two events in my life, they jacked me up. I mean, I was not the same after those two events. I was angry. I was angry at God, and I was angry at anyone else who got in my way. I was rebellious. I had no hope. I had no purpose. I had no direction. I mean, I became just one big ball of bitterness and anger. But on June 4th, as I was waiting for the principal to call my name, Jesus called my name. And it was as if he was talking right to me. And I remember sitting there and I remember hearing this voice and I felt like God was just saying, hey, Rick, how's life working out for you? I mean, are you going to keep being angry and bitter? Because let me tell you, I have something so much better for you if you will just come and follow after me. And right there and right then, I said yes to Jesus. And I surrendered all of my anger to him. I surrendered my bitterness. I surrendered the unforgiveness that I've been holding on to for the past nine months. And let me tell you that my life has never, ever, ever been the same. Jesus rescued me from a life of hatred, from a life of bitterness, from a life of unforgiveness. He healed my pain. And check it out, he filled my life with joy, and he filled my life with hope, and he filled my life with purpose. You see, Jesus truly is the greatest treasure in my life. Like we just celebrated Christmas, y'all, you got Christmas gifts, I got Christmas gifts, and if I were to ask you, hey, what was the best Christmas gift you got, you'd tell me this or that or the other, I'll tell you that um, my, my favorite gift that I got this year was a pair of shoes, and um, what, what are they called? What? Hey dudes. I got a pair of hey dude shoes, right? And, uh, and they're the most comfortable shoes ever. Like Brian Griffith thinks his, uh, his shoes are comfortable, those things that he wears, those Crocs, no. <laughs> Hey dudes, Crocs got nothing on hey dudes. And, and I would say that was my favorite gift. But if you ask me what my favorite gift that I ever received, I would have to tell you that it was Jesus. Jesus was the best gift I've ever received. And because of Jesus, I've been rescued from my sin. I've been forgiven of my sin. And because of Jesus, sin no longer has its hooks in me. Because of Jesus, I can, uh, I can have life and have it to its fullest. Because of Jesus, I get to spend eternity with God the Father. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44? He said, the kingdom of heaven is like what? A treasure. It's a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and he sells everything that he has to buy that piece of land so that he can have that treasure. And isn't that the greatest thing that we don't have to buy anything? But God gives us freely the greatest gift we could ever receive. There is no greater treasure than knowing Jesus. So I wonder, I wonder today, is Jesus your greatest treasure? Have you experienced that in your life too? If someone were to ask you what's the greatest gift you ever received, would you say, oh, hands down, Jesus is my greatest gift. So we pursue Jesus in order to know him. 
We also pursue Jesus because he's our greatest treasure. And then three, we pursue him because we need him. We pursue him because we need him. Listen, church, we must go hard after Jesus because we are nothing without him. I cannot imagine, I don't know about you, but I cannot imagine my life without Jesus. I don't know where I would be without Jesus, but I know that if I never said yes to him, I would not be here today. And I don't know about you, but I want, let's just be honest. If you don't have Jesus in your life, you need him. You need him. I mean, think about this. Jesus has demonstrated with every word and with every action and with every deed, he's demonstrated his great love for you and for me. If you read the New Testament, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's all you see is Jesus expressing himself through love to every man, every woman, and every child. And his love for us is so wide and it's so high and it's so long and it's so deep that it's impossible for you and I to fully comprehend God's great love for us. We can never imagine, fully imagine his love for us. And we need, and we should crave getting as close as possible to the source of that love. Listen, there is nothing that I can do to cause Jesus to stop loving me. And the same is true for you. Jesus is not gonna love you any more tomorrow than he does today. He loves you. He loves you with open arms, with outstretched arms, and he will love you from here to eternity. And Jesus not only gets my mess, and I gotta tell you, I'm not perfect. I got junk in my trunk, just like you all got junk in your trunk. And Jesus accepts me, junk and all. He knows my temptations. He knows my quirks. He knows my fears. He knows my doubts. And still, he loves me. And actually, I think he enjoys walking with me and helping me to overcome my stuff. And he wants the same for you. Look at what Paul says in verse 12 again. He says, not that I've already obtained all of this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul's saying, listen, I'm not a perfect man. I know and recognize that I need Jesus in my life. He knows he's a mess, but he keeps pressing on he keeps pursuing Jesus and he doesn't give up because he knows that he needs Jesus. And so do you and so do I. We need Jesus. Why don't you look at the person next to you and just say, hey, you need Jesus. Just go ahead, tell him. Yeah. So we need Jesus. We pursue him because we need him. And here's the last one, number four. We pursue Jesus because he made us his own. You and I, we, we go after Jesus hard because he made us his own. And, uh, and, and so check out verse 12 with me one more time. Paul says, again, not that I've already obtained all this. I'm not perfect. I, I haven't arrived at my goal, but I keep pressing on uh, to that goal. And here's why. For which Christ Jesus took hold of me. 
The ESV translation says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me my own. Church, here's the deal. Jesus has been pursuing you a lot longer than you've been pursuing him. He is like the hound of heaven. He's coming after you. He wants to be in relationship with you. He will not stop until he is in relationship with you. He never stops pursuing you. And Paul is remembering. He looks back at that moment on the road to Damascus when he first met Jesus, and it caused him to radically change his life and pursue Jesus. He went from chasing Jesus' followers down and killing them and putting them in jail and persecuting them to chasing people down in the name of Jesus so that they too might know his Savior. So it radically changed him. And he's, because of Jesus took hold of me, Paul would say, I am going to go hard after him so that I might become all that he desires for me to be. And I kind of thought to myself, well, how do, I, how do I make sense of that? And I thought, it's kind of like football. I like football. I don't know if you like football. I like football. I'm not against Kentucky, but I'm not a Kentucky fan, but I'm not against them, so don't, don't, don't come at me yet. But here's the deal. A coach, a football coach that is recruiting a player, they pursue that player, right? Like they, they, they call them, they pursue them, they show up at their game, uh, they, they tell them how great they are, they say, hey, you're, you're gonna do great, they offer them things, and, and because the coach believes in the player, guess what the player does? The player will do whatever it takes to become what that coach has said they are able to become. They will listen to the coach, they will follow the coach's direction, they will do whatever it takes. And it's the same with Jesus. Jesus is just recruiting you. He's like coming after you. He's coming after you hard because, but for different reasons, not to win the game. He's coming after you hard because he loves you and he loves you unconditionally and he wants you to be on his team and he wants you to be in his family and he wants you to be his son or his daughter and he will do whatever it takes. And so when Paul realized who he's, who's he had become in Jesus, he didn't just sit back. He didn't just say, ha, ah, I got my get out of hell card free, and free get out of hell card, and just sit back and do nothing. What did Paul do? He lit the world on fire. He went and pursued Jesus. And that's exactly what you and I must do. We must allow the Holy Spirit to unleash within us a life of pursuing Jesus, going hard after him. You see, when Jesus rescued Paul from his rebellion, it activated within Paul this desire to pursue Jesus more. It catapulted him to grow in his faith. It released him to live a life of pursuing Jesus. And I want you to hear this, that Jesus is reaching out to you this morning. And he wants to take hold of you. And he wants to make you his own. And he wants to unleash a desire within each and every one of you to live a radical life of faith. And all you have to do is say yes. So how do we pursue Jesus in 2022? How do we do that? Let's get practical real quick. Four quick practical ways. I encourage you to write them down. The four practical ways for us to get to pursue a life with Jesus in 2022. The first one is this. Get your priorities right. Get your priorities in order. Get them right. You see, remember what Jesus said. He said, but seek what? First, the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You see, Jesus knew that if we put him first, then we'll, we'll make it. But if we don't put Jesus first, then we're going to get in trouble. We're going to go off the rails. We're going we're gonna to get out of line. And so we must make pursuing Jesus a priority in 2022. And so that just simply means that we intentionally schedule time in our busy schedules to read our Bible, to spend time in prayer, that we make Sunday mornings a priority, that worship needs to be a priority. We need our time together. We need to make small groups a priority. You need to get up with Mike Ellis you need to, and you need to find a time that you can get in a small group and make it a priority. I call it living the Jesus-centered life. If we will put Jesus at the center of everything we do, that that is when we will unleash a life of faith in our lives. Number two, we need to seek his presence through prayer. Listen, you can't have a relationship with someone that you're not willing to spend time talking to. And someone uh, once said that when we pray, we talk to God. When we read God's word, God talks to us. But we need to make prayer an, an intentional part of our daily lives. Uh, if we're going to unleash a radical kind of faith, we must seek his presence through prayer. Not just individually, but as a church. And so in the near future, I'm going to invite you on a Saturday morning to come and spend time in prayer as a church, praying for our church, praying for our church family, praying for our community, praying for our nation, and praying for the world. You see, a church that prays together is a church that grows together because prayer is a must. So not only must we get our priorities straight, but we got to seek his presence through prayer. Number three, we got to seek his presence with humility. You know, Jesus once told a story about two guys that came into the temple to pray. And on one side of the altar, there was this Pharisee. And on the other side of the altar, you know, the religious leader. And on the other side of the altar, there was this tax collector. And he was, he was, a, um, uh, he was a dishonest tax collector. And, and he was guided by his sinfulness. He was filled with sin. And, and I want you to notice as these two were praying that their prayers were vastly different. The, the, the Pharisee prayed something like this. He said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. And he's like pointing to the tax collector. He's like, God, I'm thankful I'm not like other men, like extortioners or like unjust adulterers or even like this tax collector right next to me. I fast twice a week. I follow the rules. I give tithes of all my money. And he degrades the man that's with him praying. But then the sinner Jesus shares with us how the sinner prayed, and the sinner prayed, beating his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, for I am a wretch. I am a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. And then Jesus says, hey, of these two, which one do you believe had the heart of God? Which one do you believe was receiving the living water? And if you answered the, answered the humble sinner, you would be correct. And Jesus said, I tell you that this man the one that humbled himself rather than the other went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves, all those who puff their chests out, all of them that say, look at me, that they will be humble. But those who humble themselves before the Lord, they will be exalted. You see, church, if we're going to unleash a radical kind of faith, we got to humble ourselves 
There's too many Christians out there pumping their, you know, putting their chests out and saying, look at me, I'm, I'm so good. And we judge everyone else. You're, you're, you're horrible. Look at what you did. I can't believe you did that. And we judge people and we're so proud. And we just repel people from ever knowing Jesus. And Jesus says, don't be like that. Be the humble servant. Be the, the same as I was when I came. Philippians says later on, it says, that, or it says that Jesus came as a humbled servant, that he left heaven to come down here on earth to serve and to die the most humiliating death on our behalf. So if we're going to unleash a radical kind of faith, it's time for us to be humble. And then finally, number four, we seek his presence through surrender. Everybody say Surrender. This is one of the hardest things for us, but we must daily surrender our lives to Jesus. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, trust in the Lord with all my heart. Lean not on, my, on your own understandings, but in all of your ways acknowledge him. And you know what that verse is saying? It's basically just saying, surrender your life to Jesus. Surrender your life to him because he knows what's best for you better than you do. And if we're gonna pursue Jesus like we've never done before, then we've got to learn to surrender our lives, our wants, our desires, our sins, our dreams, all to Jesus every single day. So as the worship team comes up this morning, let me just ask you this question. Is this year going to be just another year defined by your regrets, your failures, your shortcomings, and your longings? Or... Is 2022 going to be the year that God takes hold of you and unleashes you to live a life of faith that radically pursues him? A life of faith that transforms lives. A life of faith that makes more disciples. And a life of faith that prioritizes community. You see, church, here's the deal. It all starts, it all begins with pursuing Jesus. You want to start 2022 out in a different way? Start it out by pursuing Jesus so that you might know him because he is the greatest treasure, because we need him, and because he has made us his own. Now is the time for us to come and to pursue Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father God, we just come to you this morning. Lord, as we enter into this new year, God, we have hopes and dreams. God, there's things we want to do. There's things we want to accomplish. We, we, we've left some of the regrets from the last year behind us. God, we, we've struggled. 2021 has just been much like 2020. God, we have hopes and dreams for a fresh year. But Lord, none of that matters if you're not at the center of it. God, if you're not at the center of everything that we do, none of the rest of the stuff matters because you, Lord, you are our greatest treasure and Lord, you want to do something new in each and every one of us. 
and you want to do something new at Warehouse Church and you want to do something new in Floyd County and beyond. But God, it begins right here, right now. And it begins with your people choosing to intentionally pursue you. So God, if there's someone in here this morning who's never said yes to you, God, I pray that this morning would be their June 4th of 1989. That I pray that this morning would be the morning that they hear you calling out their name and saying, hey, I know life's been hard. I know things haven't gone your way. I know that you've been bitter and angry or maybe you've been holding on to unforgiveness or maybe you've just been lost without purpose in your life and I I just want you to know that I've got a plan for your life. If you'll just say yes to me, if you will just come and follow me, if you'll just seek out me, I will bring all things together and I will give you purpose and hope and joy. If that's you this morning, if you've never said yes to Jesus, it's simple. Just call out to him and say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I give you my life. I'm following you. I'm choosing to live for you. For those of us that are here today, and we're so excited that 2021 is behind us. Maybe we've already made plans for 2022. Let me just encourage you. Don't leave Jesus out of the equation. Put him at the center. Make him the number one priority in your life. And let everything else flow out of him. And I promise you that you have a life filled with hope and joy and purpose. Father God, we thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for pursuing us. And may we pursue you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, as the uh, worship team leads us in our closing song, I want you to know that these this altar is open for you. You come. If you want to come and say yes to Jesus, you come and say yes. And if you do, don't leave this place today without telling someone you said yes to Jesus. Maybe you just need to come and say, you know what, God, I had plans, but now I'm recognizing that I need to, I need to follow your plans. Maybe you just need to come and say, God, what is it that you want from me in this new year? What is your desire for my life in the next six to 12 months? You come. The altars are open. You come as you are.